Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. It is really lovely to be with you. Uh, my name's Jordan, as Mitch mentioned, and uh, I'm sharing from uh, on behalf of Open Doors today and the Persecuted Church. And um, I really am talking about my favourite topic today. Uh, so I really I could stand here and probably talk your ear off for three hours, but um, but I'll keep it to 20 minutes uh, for today. But please come and chat to me after. It'd be lovely to meet you. And if you have any questions about Open Doors, um, obviously I can't share all the stories here. So I would love to share them after. It's actually really cool to be here at Dural uh, Baptist today because my parents got married at Dural Baptist uh, 20 maybe 31 years ago actually now that i do the math uh in, in the old building out the back so it's really cool to see uh what it's become and uh yeah this this community and the legacy here is important um in uh, our family's life and so it, it is absolutely lovely to be with you and mitch mentioned that you guys have been going through a series this year on growth and um, and using a lot of botanical terms, which is great because the last time I was out here was actually for Galston Open Gardens. Did anyone get out and see the gardens? No one. So I, I, drove, I drove a really long way to the, go to the gardens that are on your doorstep. You're like, yeah, it's normal. Uh, you know, it's normal to see cows on the side of the road. I, I live on the northern beaches, so uh, no cows where I live. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very fitting, I think, that you guys have been going through that series um, because what I associate this region and this area with is growth and cultivation and seeds. And, um, and so as I was praying, for you guys, um, I uh, kept feeling this uh, passage from John 15 where uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples and uh, he's talking to his disciples about um, what it means to be part of the branch, part of the vine, to be branches in the vine, what it means to be grafted in, to, to be connected to the heartbeat. And I realized when I was standing down there that I'm standing in front of a grapevine. So I think there's a, there's a theme that's coming through here fairly strong. How long's that been up for? It's been up this week. I love it. God's timing. It's just beautiful. Um, but but I did want to uh, start there. I know that my PowerPoint's a little bit um, all over the place, so we might have to skip one slide to get to that slide. But I did want to start there and just um, just pray. Um, oh, I have the clicker. Here we go. <laughs> Don't you love that? Um, I spend a lot of time in different churches, so uh, working out who's got the clicker and who's doing what is is the vibe. So um, I just love this. This is this is Jesus. He's just gotten gotten done talking to his disciples about what it means to be part of the vine, and then he says this. He says this is literally the next verse that comes after that. He says, "If the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. So he's talking about what it means to be a part of his vine, what it means to produce the fruit that he produces. And he says this, "If the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. Because if you were of the world, it would love you as its own. But instead, the world hates you because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world." Remember the word that I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. 
If they kept my word, they will keep yours as well. But they will treat you like this because of my name, since they do not know the one who sent me. And it's this real, he's just given this address to his disciples of saying, this is what it means to be part of my family. And then it seems to be this change of tact where he starts talking about actually how difficult this is going to be for his disciples. And as I was coming uh, to you guys today and and as I was coming to share on the persecuted church, I felt like um, this is a word in season. This is a word for a new season where uh, as we become more and more like Christ, we're going to become more and more different from the world and we are going to feel that tension and we're going to continue to feel that tension but the persecuted church shows us how to respond to that tension the persecuted church shows us how to uh how to uh characterize or what paradigm to view that tension through and how to respond to it um so let me pray and then um, i'm going to get in stuck into to telling some stories about what it looks like to respond uh to that tension God, we love you. We're here for you. We're here for you. We want to know you. We want to know you more. We want to love you more. And we want to live lives that look like you. We want to live bold, courageous lives that display your courage and and your love and your goodness to the world around us. And you have placed us here for this season, for this time. You've planted us here in this community. And God, would you um, teach every single heart here what it looks like to um, continue to follow you no matter the cost, continue to live a life that um, proclaims you boldly and to respond uh, to that tension that you promised that we'll face with uh, grace and love and generosity in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, I first became acquainted with the Persecutor Church when I was about 13. Uh, We had an Open Doors guest speaker come out to our church uh, once a year, just like what I'm doing here today. And honestly, when I heard the stories and everything, I mean, oh, sad, you know, but, but it felt, I felt really disconnected from it. You know, I felt, you know, oh, that's heartbreaking that people suffer for their faith around the world. But, but I didn't actually, it, it didn't hit my heart. And uh, fast forward about seven or eight years, I found myself in a, in a conference and there was an open doors tent and I was lured in by the beautiful photographs of the Middle East and, you know, the, the idea of an adventure and, you know, all of those things. And, and so I, I walked into this tent and I was looking around and when I saw, um, I saw this quote that really stuck with me, that really hit my heart. And, uh, and it was a quote from a secret believer in China. And this man had said, when faith becomes free, the value of Jesus drops. I want you to pray that persecution never leaves China. This is a Chinese secret believer praying. I want you to pray that persecution never leaves China. And it it struck me and I must have stood there looking like a codfish with my mouth open, just staring at this at this quote. And a man uh, came over and, and he started a conversation with me and he began to chat with me and he worked for Open Doors and he happened to be the person that had had this conversation with this Chinese secret believer. And he actually gave me the longer version of the quote and this is, this is the part that really uh, changed my paradigm about the persecuted church. The longer version of what this man said was, we see the Australian church as a prophetic example of what happens when faith becomes free the value of Jesus drops. I want you to pray that persecution never leaves China. And this man who was talking to me uh, realized in that moment 
about the same thing that I was realizing as he was speaking, that this man knew something of the value and the worth of Jesus that I didn't know in that moment. I mean, I wasn't actually willing to pray that persecution would come because honestly, I still valued my life more than I valued Jesus. And if persecution meant that Jesus would be magnified in my life, I still wasn't willing to pay that cost. But as I was hearing those words, I realized I want to want to pray that. I, I felt the gap, but, but there was this craving in me that I realized I actually need to be, I need to learn from the persecuted church. I need to learn from people like this guy who are genuinely praying that persecution never leaves China. And, and the man who was having this conversation with me, who was speaking to this Chinese believer, he realized the same thing in that moment. And so he said to this Chinese believer, will you pray for me? I need you to pray for me. You know, give me whatever you have. I, 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 I need you to pray for me. And he said, sure, I'll pray for you. I pray you'll be persecuted. <laughs> totally, totally not what you want someone to pray for you. But I, I realized that I actually wanted to want that. And so began my journey of being discipled by the persecuted church. I started to surround myself with the stories of incredible faith, of people who deliberately lived in places that were uncomfortable, even though they didn't have to. They deliberately remained in places that were uncomfortable and continued to live out these bold lives of radical love and faith in these places uh, where the church was dwindling and just continuing to live as Jesus's ambassadors in these places. And I realized I need to learn from these people. And and as I was on my journey of uh, learning, I learned that one in seven Christians suffer for their faith. One in seven. So it's actually way more common. Persecution is way more common than I thought. I learned that persecution can look like a variety of different things. It can look like um, it can look like rejection from friends and family. It can look like not being able to get vaccines because you're at the bottom of the wait list simply because you're a Christian. It can look like people boycotting your business because they know you're a Christian. It can look like kids not being selected in soccer teams because of their faith. Uh, but it can also look like imprisonment for your faith. It can look like churches having to wait 12 years for the approval to actually be able to open and meet in those places. And uh, what we've actually compiled at Open Doors is called the World Watch List. It's an index of the most difficult places in the world to follow Jesus. And this map shows the top 50. Uh, some of these countries you may have actually visited or been to or know people from. And uh, it's this uh, index of the most difficult places in the world to follow Jesus. And persecution looks different in er every single one of these countries. And so our work as uh, Open Doors looks different in every country. But our goal, our aim is not to end persecution. Uh, persecution is promised. In fact, uh, in places where the church is the most persecuted, it's also growing the most. Interesting Thing to think about that persecution would actually be a, um, a church growth tool but we're not trying to end persecution um, as this Chinese secret believer said when faith becomes free the value of Jesus drops but what we want to do is come alongside believers that are in countries where it's really difficult to follow Jesus those believers that remain in those really challenging places and give them what they need to follow Jesus no matter the cost so whether that's uh, 
a copy of the Bible in a language that they understand, whether that's trauma care and counselling, whether that's medical aid or, or, or discipleship or whatever a believer needs to continue following Jesus in, in that space. Uh, we want to come alongside them and do that um, and equip the local church uh, in that area to continue to, to make disciples in, in, in those areas. And one place um, that I have recently, I recently got back from Egypt, it's number 20 on our world watch list. Um, and we visited Egypt purely to uh, meet believers, to hear their stories, and, and to find out what following Jesus actually looked like in Egypt. And when we were uh, there, it was um, uh, about halfway through our trip, we were told that we were uh, going to go to St. Simon's Monastery, which is the biggest Christian church in the Middle East. It's, um, it's just outside of Cairo. But in order to get there, you have to go through Garbage Mountain. So Garbage Mountain uh, is essentially a giant garbage tip. It is outside of the city specifically, and it contains all of the city's rubbish. And Christians were exiled there in the 1980s to sort through the city's garbage. And they were exiled there uh, because they were considered the worst in society. And so they were given the worst of tasks. So their job uh, is to live in this garbage city. Uh, they've built houses in there. They live there. They live as exiles in the garbage. And they sort through uh, other people's trash attempting to find things that they can sell onto factories um, and then they burn the rest. So their job is to live and work and play amongst the garbage. And that was their punishment for their decision to follow Jesus, which I honestly cannot imagine living as an exile in garbage for my decision to follow Jesus. But it was a decision that they made instead of renouncing their faith, which is profound. And it stank Oh my goodness, it, the smell, it was 40 degrees Celsius when we were there. The way that that sun hit that rubbish was horrifying. And I, cannot, I can't imagine if that was my day-to-day -day experience of life uh, simply for my decision to follow Jesus. And when we were there, we met a little girl. Uh, she was six years old. Uh, we met a bunch of kids. Um, they were just getting off school at the time. And, uh, and this little girl, she was six years old. Uh, I could tell that from my very broken and poor Arabic, uh, but that was all that I could understand. Um, and I realised that if she was six years old, then she was probably born to parents who were also born on Garbage Mountain. So she would be the second generation to have been born on Garbage Mountain to parents who were exiled there in the 80s. So her grandparents were exiles. They had children in Garbage Mountain, who have then now had children in Garbage Mountain. So now, this is the second generation of believers who have been born in, on Garbage Mountain. And we played and, and talked as much as we could and, and we hugged her, um, but then she went home to live and sleep and play amongst the rubbish. But then, I, uh, I noticed that she had a cross tattooed on her wrist and it's quite normal in Egypt um, for Christians to have that cross on their wrist and to tattoo that cross onto their children so a lot of um, children would would have this cross uh, in Egypt but um, but I noticed that she had a cross and 
it hit me that uh, her parents, even though their punishment for following Jesus or their family's punishment for following Jesus was a life amongst the rubbish, they were still tattooing the cross on their wrist. They were still boldly and, and unswervingly proclaiming that Jesus was so good and loved them so much that he died for them. And they were wearing that publicly as a proclamation of the closeness and the goodness of God uh, three generations later. And I couldn't say for myself that I would raise the next generation to proclaim the goodness of God had exile been my punishment. But that moved me and, and it impacted me and it reminded me of why we come alongside the persecuted church. Because there are incredible, faithful, bold believers who all around the world are following Jesus right now at great cost. And the idea that we get to come alongside them and serve them and support them, what an honour. And uh, I, I think about this little girl uh, a lot and her family. And we kept, we kept going and we came out to St. Simon's Monastery. Uh, it's the, uh, as I mentioned, the largest Christian church in the Middle East. And it's been carved out uh, by hand out of a cave. And the cave probably once upon a time was a similar size to this, uh, this church, this little part here. Um, and as more and more people came and more and more people wanted to worship, they've chipped it out inch by inch, stone by stone. And they've carved this beautiful, it seats 20,000 people, this beautiful sandstone amphitheater. Uh, imagine the prayers, imagine the worship on Sundays. I wasn't there uh, for a Sunday service, but I can just imagine when you've laid down your life and your freedom and you're living as an exile for Jesus, I mean, what kind of prayers, what kind of worship comes out of, of that community? And it truly was incredible to see um, their faith that they that they love Jesus so much that they were not only willing to stay but they were willing to make something that is uh, disgusting and and terrible and dis and and horrible incredibly beautiful and this this is why we do what we do and this is what gets me out of bed every day and uh, on a Sunday this is why I, I I love to visit churches because I get to invite uh, people like you uh, in the Aussie church to, to rally around and unite around the persecuted church, those believers who pay a really high price for their decision to follow Jesus. And, um, and it reminded me, I think if the, if the persecuted church were to bring a message uh, to you guys today, I think it would sound uh, something a lot like uh, what uh, Paul says to Timothy. Uh, he's writing uh, to Timothy from his persecutions. Uh, they're separated because of Paul's persecutions. And this is, this is what he says. And, and just imagine that this is a letter specifically written uh, to you from a persecuted apostle, which it is. He says, you, however, have observed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my, per my perseverance, my persecutions, and the suffering that came upon me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endure, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ will be persecuted, while evil men and imposters go from bad to worse. 
deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Dural Baptist, the center Dural, as for you, continue in the things that you have learned and firmly believed, since you know from whom you have learned them. From, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he says, which is a verse you will probably know, but maybe didn't know the context behind it. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for instruction, for conviction, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. So what, what, it, what does Paul say the solution to these, these persecutions, this pain, all of the trouble that's come against him is? It's deep roots in the truth of God. At that time, it was only the Old Testament. It's deep roots in the word of God. And we want to help the, the persecuted church to continue to dig deep roots into the, the truth of the gospel so that when the wind comes and the, the waves uh, batter that house, it's built on a rock. It's, it, it's tried and true. It's stable. And we do that through discipleship and through the word of God. And uh, at the moment, at Christmas time, our main focus is on pastors and the pastors of the persecuted church who carry a specific burden around Christmas time. They're not only carrying the burden uh, of their own suffering and their own persecution and their family's persecution, but they're carrying the suffering of their entire congregation too. Uh, everyone knows a pastor is not only carrying their own burdens, but carrying the burden of their whole community too. And so we want to come alongside the pastors of the persecuted church. We want to offer them trauma care and counselling so that they can process some of their own pain and the pain that they have, that they're coming up against every day. Uh, we want to give them discipleship uh, and persecution preparedness training so that they know when persecution comes, how to respond to it. And we also want to give them uh, theological training. We want to help them to understand the Word of God, the bigger story that they're a part of. And we run uh, training sessions specifically designed for the pastors of the persecuted church to come alongside them. And um, as I was preparing for today, I found this, uh, oh, this video. Thing from Central Asia. Uh, really encouraging to meet with some of the the people in this uh, this village and the, the talk is that COVID has done really badly and 12 to 15 pastors were, died because of it and maybe 20% of the churches were badly affected. I'm not quite sure how many people died of it but uh, COVID really did very bad in the, in, in the churches here. But at the same time, COVID gave many opportunities and some of the church leaders, they were able to get very special permission to go into other villages for relief and, and to pray with people. So it's, it's quite encouraging to hear what has been happening. Maybe a little update shortly again. Uh, that's from one of our uh, field workers in Central Asia. Um, can't name the country for security purposes, but I think it outlines uh, some of the challenges that 
pastors are really facing at the moment. Uh, he said 15 pastors in this town had uh, perished because of COVID-19, which is absolutely terrible. Uh, but then also pastors were getting opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise get to be able to, to be allowed and led into some of these areas that would otherwise be closed. And so the need is there to come alongside these pastors, to, to um, nurture them, to continue to help them to grow those deep roots like what you guys were, were, have been talking about. Um, so I wanted to invite you today um, to support church leaders, to train church leaders. Uh, we uh, are inviting 1,000 churches around us Australia to give $1,000 to help the persecuted church. And if everyone gave today, uh, some gave 20, some gave 200, you gave what you could, and we rallied together to, to, to bring $1,000 together uh, on behalf of the Centre Dural uh, to give to the pastors of the persecuted church, to come alongside those pastors that are suffering uh, and continue to help them follow Jesus no matter the cost. So you can do that by uh, scanning that QR code. You can also go to opendoors.org.au you forward slash the center dural it's your own url uh wear it out and then um and then i also have a little bucket for cash as well but um we really do appreciate uh your love for the persecuted church and uh to continue coming alongside the pastors of the persecuted church and if you do give today, I have a little Christmas gift to you. Um, it's a little print. Um, there's a couple of different types. So um, come and have a look. And it's got a story on the back. So please come. Uh, if you have given, come and, uh, and, and uh, receive one of these from Open Doors uh, to say thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, the other thing that I have here is... Oh, well. Sorry, thanks for sticking with me. Um, is I have these prayer guides. Uh, these help you pray. Sometimes it can feel really overwhelming how to pray for the persecuted church. But we have these prayer guides. Every single day you can pray for a different country. There's an update from the field and it will help you to pray. Um, so it's a, a quarterly prayer guide. This is three months worth of prayer. So very handy. I've got enough for all of you. So come and see me after and grab one of these. Um, and the other thing I have is our impact report. So uh, if you'd like to find out a little bit more about our work and what we do in different countries, uh, this will help you to kind of get a bit bigger, bi a bigger perspective on what it is that we do. Um, and I believe you're also going to be uh, looking at persecution and the persecuted church in your small groups as well, um, which Mitch has put together. So uh, that'll be fantastic. And, and I hope that the conversation continues and continues to nurture the courage and faith in your own heart. Um, so let me just pray for us. Uh, and then I, yeah, it's, it's hope you continue to uh, come and chat to me after the service. And, and I'd love to get to know you all uh, a little bit better. Jesus, we just thank you that you are same yesterday, today, and forever. That you were persecuted, that you suffered persecution, that all of your apostles suffered persecution, that the church throughout the century has suffered persecution, and that persecution continues to rage against the church. And yet, the battle belongs to you. And we just sang that, that you are triumphant, that you win in the end, that persecution is not the enemy, uh, that, that maybe apathy is the enemy, that maybe, um, that, that maybe our compromise is the enemy, that persecution um, is something that, that is easy for you to conquer and that you continue to strengthen and grow the church in the midst of that. But God, I, I pray today um, 
for the center. I pray for what you're doing um, here in this community. And I pray that you continue to give them a vision for what it looks like to live bold, courageous lives that are laid down and sold out for you. Uh, that every day we would look more like you because we're catching another glimpse of, of, of how good you are and how worthy you are. And we pray. Um, we don't want to pray for persecution, but we want to want to. Uh, would you make us into people who count our lives as lost that we might gain Christ and be found in him? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.